we go. You're listening to Rumination Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, June the 13th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me is Pastor Mark Smith. And we're going to be examining a hymn. And what is the name of the hymn? The name of the hymn is, O God, O Lord of Heaven and Earth. It's really a wonderful hymn to listen to, and I'm looking forward to playing it as you listen to it at this time. of O God, O Lord of heaven and earth. That hymn was written by one of my professors I had, Martin Franzman. He uh, died while I was still at the seminary, but he was wonderful. In fact, this hymn was commissioned to Martin Franzman by the Lutheran Council in the United States of America in order for the 450th anniversary of the Reformation in 1967. The theme of the event was life, new life. This hymn and Martin Luther's paraphrase of Psalm 67, May God Bestow on Us His Grace, are without a doubt two of the finest mission hymns ever written. Both hymns place the power behind growing the church in the right place with God. Unfortunately, this is rare in mission hymns. Stanza four, we're going to hear, stands alone in its approach to high praise of the triune God. Normally, doxological stanzas 
are often predictable and tend to say the same thing. But this is not true of Franzman's doxology. He frames it as a prayer to the Holy Spirit, whose work is desperately needed in these gray and latter days. The sermon has reached the point of application. The tune written by Jan Bender was made especially for this hymn, and it's called the Wittenberg Tune. And it is named after the Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio, where Bender was preaching and teaching at the time of its composition. And its tune forms a powerful union with the text. This is the hymn of the day for Epiphany 7 and also for the conversion of St. Paul. Powerful hymn, and I want to know the impression it makes on Pastor Mark Smith. Oh, this is a great hymn. It, it really is. Uh, it, you know, just like Franzman, his hymns are, are so unique. They're so different, and uh, especially with the music. I did not realize that. Uh, yeah, the, the melody is uh, Wittenberg New, and that's named after Wittenberg University of Ohio. And I've got a, kind of an interesting note about that, that university. We used to play them in football. Valparaiso University, we used to play Wittenberg of Ohio. But I did not know this hymn was, this uh, melody was named after that. Did you attend Valparaiso? Yes. Oh, yeah. And you were on the football team? Oh, yes. I played right next to a guy that went on to play for uh, the New York Jets under Joe Namath. Wow. I never knew you were on the football team. Oh, yeah. Man. That's that's very good. Yeah, I, I went out for a football team, and the coach had us line up two different groups, and we ran toward each other and tackled. And the guy ran towards me, and just before he tackled me, I, I, I sidestepped him, and he missed me. <laughs> and the coach said, no, Tom, you have to be tackled so you begin to understand what it feels like. <laughs> so I did it again. I was tackled. I got up, went back to the school, and joined the volleyball team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a little safer. <laughs> Boy, yeah. it sure was. Yeah, I was uh, having a lot of fun there. Uh, by, by the way, the um, program just before us, Coffee Hour, had on Pastor Cray talking about the a Spanish hymnal. Pastor Cray is a son of a pastor I had, and I preach when I used to go around to churches instead of just staying at one for two or three years. I go in both United States, and this church was in Canada, in Ontario. I preached there four times, and it was a lot of fun. Met Pastor Cray and still worked with him with the... Uh, not only the good news that he really wanted to have for evangelism, which we now do for evangelism also. You can get the good news. It's got some great copies for evangelism. 
in South America and other places. Yeah, so it's, like him. Him, it's like this hymn says, how beautiful are the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. It's a beautiful exactly. hymn. Yes. So without further ado, stanza one, please. O God, O Lord of heaven and earth, thy living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless moat, a deathward drift from feudal birth. Thy word meant life, triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. Since light awoke and life began, thou hast desired thy life for man. There's some really good poetic and metaphorical. You hardly ever think that God created the world with his living finger. What would be his yeah. living finger? I know who his right arm is. That's Jesus. His living. That's his, where the living finger would be. Ah, uh, there you go. Uh huh. On his right arm, right hand. Right. Um, yeah. One, one, one of the uh, items on KFU yesterday, they were talking about Hebrews, where it talks about at the beginning of Hebrews that Jesus was the one that God the Father used to create the whole world, and it was with his living finger. And he never wrote the world and the universe that life should be an endless moat. How do you explain that to a child? What's an endless yeah. moat? Endless moat. That's a that's a speck, like a speck of dust. Uh, that, that God never God never intended for us to be just specks of dust on a ping ping pong ball uh, passing uh, through space. Uh, he meant life for us from the very beginning. Even though we, even though we, our, our original parents, Adam and Eve, cast it aside, as we you do know, the same. That's true about a lot of people who are nuns, N-O-N-E-S, who left the church, and they may believe in a God, but they really don't know what their purpose is in life. And they're kind of living in aimless moat and a deathward drift from futile birth. You ask them, what's going to happen when you die? They have no idea. They think they're just going to go out of existence. How, how would you feel with that kind of view? Oh, I'll tell you. But, well, it's out of out of what is out of sight, out of mind. If you don't think about it, maybe it doesn't bother you. But I would think it would bother you certainly as you as you uh, as you get ill and as you approach death, especially. I mean, I uh, I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, how people are that drift away from the church and uh, how they must feel when they hear of a loved one passing away and. And then they're reminded of the church, but they're but they're afraid to go back for some strange reason. It's almost like they feel like the roof's going to cave in on them if they walk in the church. But uh, how sad that must be to have once been exposed to the gospel and once been raised in the church, and yet to to let yourself drift away. And how sad that must be. Yes, every human being has a desire for a relationship. And that relationship really is only founded in God that makes any difference. 
you can have all the relationships you with want with people, but a lot of times you're betrayed or they lie to you or they gossip about you. And, and so life is really quite futile for those who don't have any goals, any purposes in life. But the hymn says, thy word meant life triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. Now, how would you re-say that, what is being said by Franzman there? It's really, he, he's really poetic in his expression. Uh, yes. I'm looking at the words again. Uh, thy word meant life, triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. The, the word is capitalized, note. You know, it says, thy word, that's capitalized. That's talking about Jesus himself, the eternal word. Um, And he was, and it meant life triumphant, hurled in splendor through thy broken world. Our our world was broken originally by sin. Uh, and, And the terrible barrier that was placed between us and God, sin, and it also placed us under the, under the curse of death. And uh, But his word, his eternal world, Jesus, was triumphantly hurled in splendor through this broken world in order to restore life to all of us. It says, since life awoke and life began. What is that talking about? I think that's referring back to uh, uh, the creation of light in the very beginning. Since light, yes. since light awoke and life began, it's talking about you know that's it's going taking us back to John one those uh, those first verses of John chapter one. In the beginning was I, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yes, I also interpret it to mean that when life awoke, light awoke. That's referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Excellent, right. And life began, but it began actually, as you said, at the creation of the world, but Adam and Eve and all of mankind threw that light and life away. But Jesus suffered and died and then rose because he desired life for man. All right, stanza two, please. Our fatal will... To equal thee, our rebel will wrought death and night. We seized and used in prideful spite thy wondrous gift of liberty. We housed us in this house of doom, where death and royal scope, where death had royal scope and room, until thy servant, Prince of Peace, breached all its walls for our release. Beautiful poetic words again. Yes. How do you explain our fatal will to equal thee? What does that mean? Well, that's like uh, the temptation that the serpent uh, tempted Eve with. Yes. Uh, the idea that, oh, God doesn't want you to be equal to him. He doesn't want you to. He knows that if you eat of that 
forbidden fruit, you'll be like him. You'll know the difference between good and evil. And uh, that was uh, it was fatal to us. Our rebel will, you know, we, you know, Eve looked upon that forbidden fruit, and uh, and and Adam too, of course. Uh, they thought, well, this would be great, you know, that we'll we'll know the difference yes. between evil, evil and good, and and so uh, it, but it wrought death and and night instead. Yes, we knew the difference between evil and good, but it also meant that we'd be uh, doomed by death and that and sin occurred to Adam and Eve immediately when right. they went and hid from God, so they had therefore died spiritually and they were now in night because right. they were no longer in the light hiding in the bushes these are really good words and has a lot of meaning behind them and you've got to think about them you know a lot of people when they hymn a sing a hymn they're trying to rely on a tune but you really need to listen to the words because it says we seized and used in pride despite thy wondrous gift of liberty. What was the gift of liberty? Well, originally, of course, we had a, we had that ability to choose. Yes. Given to us by God. You know, uh, uh, once we fell into sin, we could only choose evil. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we couldn't we couldn't believe God. We couldn't even believe in Him. But with the exactly. help of the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, we're we're given liberty. But originally, the liberty that we had, we cast aside. We we destroyed ourselves by falling into sin. How would you explain to a child? We housed us in this house of doom. Well, that's a little challenging. But uh, that's what we did. Uh, we, uh, instead of enjoying the liberty that God originally intended for us, we housed us in this house of doom, uh, uh, constrained we by built sin. Our own house. We built yes. our own house. And yes, we left the house of God. We left right. His holy kingdom, like Adam and Eve did and instead housed us in this house of doom, where death had royal scope and room. Wow. Yeah, death, yeah, death became uh, the, the, the Lord of all of us. You know, uh, we're, we're trapped. We're under control of, uh, of death and sin and Satan, of course. Yes. Until thy servant... Prince of Peace breached all its walls for our release. Now, yes. you know, I took Martin Franzman for a class on Romans. And we only got through, in 10 weeks, we only got through Chapter 5. No kidding. he was finding all kinds of things in the Book of Romans uh, by Scripture interpreting Scripture that a lot of people don't recognize. And I don't ever remember him giving a class where Jesus is not mentioned as the Prince of Peace. Why is he the Prince of Peace? Well, it's, that's uh, based on that Old Testament passage. Um, how does it go? Get me started, Tom. Um, in fact, 
the church that I retired from was named Prince of Peace. He will be called yes. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And we hear those words that Jesus is the one bringing peace by the angels to the shepherds at his incarnation and at his resurrection that Jesus spoke to his disciples, peace be with you. And that peace refers to a right relationship with God the Father. Yes. You know, the title Prince of Peace, that is one of the more recognizable names of Christ. Uh, people may not recognize the word unless it's capitalized, and then they may have to have that explained to them. But Prince of Peace, right away, people usually, aha, that's talking about Jesus himself. Was the church that you went to already named Prince of Peace when you got there? Yes, oh yes. I think they chose that name uh, when it was started right around Christmas time. Wow. Uh, they, yeah, right before Christmas. And I think they chose that name, uh, Prince of Peace, uh, about that time. Yes, when it was when it was founded. Okay. I'll stanza three again. This is about Jesus. Thou camest to our hall of death, O Christ, to breathe our poisoned air to drink for us the dark despair that strangled our reluctant breath. How beautiful the feet that trod, the road that leads us back to God. How beautiful the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. That's some real poetry, is it not? Oh boy, and, and it's and it's a mouthful too. Those words. Sometimes I find that this hymn. I love this hymn, and you know one of the things I like about it is you get you get in the midst of a couple of the lines are really kind of hard to keep up. It's a challenge to keep up with the music. How so? Oh, the you know the the words are so full, and they. Um, and they kind yes. of they kind of go on, you know what I mean? They don't stop where you'd expect them to stop. They keep right on going. You almost like to have to take another breath to, to to sing them. Yes, I mean, how many of us think that Jesus came to Earth, which was our hall of death, to breathe our poisoned air? Yes, it, yes. Isn't that a great that, metaphor for the world? That that really is. Yes, you bet. We're. Uh, we're when we're under sin and uh without the gospel we're just inhaling poison air all the time and that strangles our reluctant breath yes because it's reluctant we're not breathing the holy spirit we're breathing ourselves and then the point you made earlier how beautiful are the feet that god sends to bring the good news to man and that definitely was Jesus Christ, his apostles, and pastors today, and many lay people. Yeah, there's that beautiful mission emphasis that we talked about uh, at the outset of the hymn. Yes. Stands four, please. O Spirit, who didst once restore thy church, that it might be again the bringer of good news to men. 
Breathe on thy cloven church once more, that in these gray and latter days there may be those whose life is praise, each life a a high doxology to Father, Son, and unto thee. Now, who's the unto thee referring to? That's uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As you said, a lot of this hymn is sung as a prayer to the Holy Spirit. You know what else is... You know what else is neat about this, Tom? And that's that, that one line where it says, Breathe on thy cloven church. Uh, a cloven church is one that's uh, uh, somewhat divided. Uh, am I wrong for, for uh, suggesting that's what it's talking It's talking about a church that is plagued sometimes with division. And God well, would have I... us all, he would have us all speak and believe the same thing. Be of the same uh, profession of faith. Breathe on thy divided church, Holy Spirit, that in these gray and latter days there may be those whose life is praise. Your question may be answered by looking carefully at the first phrases. And I don't know how many people think of this, that what the Holy Spirit did was restore the church, right? that it might be again. Now, wait a minute. I thought the church didn't come about until Pentecost. Oh, no. The church existed throughout the Old Testament uh, in, in believers. There were believers in the Old Testament already. But it, that was a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, that first Pentecost Sunday. That was just a special outpouring that kind of got got the, the church... Uh, aroused the church again in the in the New Testament and got it going. Where was the church first mentioned in the Bible? Where was the church first mentioned in the Bible? Oh, when they started to call upon the name of the Lord. Um, Who's they? It's talking, it's talking about believers. Uh, survivors of the flood, would you say? Nope, nope. Before that? Yep. Okay, tell me when. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Of course. They the first were believers. In the heavenly church, the kingdom Where of God. Where two or three are gathered in my name. And then we, guess what? We fell from faith, and the Holy Spirit restored the church. And that's what Pentecost is about. Thanks so much, Pastor Smith. A great hymn, O God, O Lord of heaven and earth. We're definitely going to be singing it at the four congregations I'm preaching at. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. 
We are the messenger of good news worldwide KFUO.